2: Hello and welcome to A Course in Miracles with Miracles One and this is your trio of miraculous ladies talking with you today. Uh, This is Reverend Deb Phelps and with me I have Gail Bartlett, uh, Reverend Gail Bartlett I should say, correct that, and Mary Dole and hello ladies.
1: Hello. Hi there, so happy to be here.
2: You ready for some miracles today? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh it's been a, a couple of weeks since we've been on our truly helpful series and so we decided before we get into the next line in our truly helpful prayer that we're going to take a look at the true empathy section in the text and that's will be the basis of today's uh podcast. So to find the true empathy section it's in chapter 16 section 1 and if you are listening and you have your book nearby, it's page 330 in the text. So we'll we'll I'll take a paragraph or so and we'll talk about it and our thoughts about it and how we can really be truly helpful for those in the world. Now, if you remember the truly helpful prayer, I am here only to be truly helpful. I am here to represent him who sent me. I do not have to worry about what to say or what to do because he who sent me will direct me. I am content to be wherever he wishes, knowing he goes there with me. I will be healed as I let him teach me to heal. So as I said, we'll talk about true empathy today and next week we'll look at that second line. So true empathy, I guess I'll just start us off here to empathize does not mean to join in suffering for that is what you must refuse and refuses in italics to understand that is the ego's interpretation of empathy and is always used to form a special relationship in which the suffering is shared the capacity to empathize is very useful to the holy spirit provided you let him use it in his way And his way is very different. He does not understand suffering and would have you teach it is not understandable. When he relates through you, he does not relate through your ego to another ego. He does not join in pain. Understanding that healing pain is not accomplished by delusional attempts to enter into it and lighten it by sharing the delusion. I'm going to go ahead and just read the second paragraph as well, and then then we can talk about those two. So paragraph two, the clearest proof that empathy as the ego uses it is destructive lies in the fact that it is applied only to certain types of problems and in certain people. These it selects out and joins with, and it never joins except to strengthen itself. Having identified with what it thinks it understands, the ego sees itself and would increase itself by sharing what is like itself. Make no mistake about this maneuver. The ego always empathizes to weaken, and to weaken is always to attack. You do not know what empathizing means, yet of this you may be sure if you will merely sit quietly by and let the Holy Spirit relate through you, you will empathize with strength
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and will gain in strength and not in weakness. So as I said, we're looking at this section in chapter 16, section one, true empathy on page 330. So I'll pause there with those first two paragraphs and see what arises to our minds about this idea of true empathy.
0: One of the things that stood out for me, that uh, I think it was in the first paragraph, was that the Holy Spirit doesn't understand suffering and teaches you that it's not understandable. Suffering doesn't exist, in other words, you know, um, that old saying about, uh, what is it, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional, something like that. I don't remember the exact words, but really there isn't any, but we, all of us forget that, at least I know I do. Um, when I'm going through a challenging time or whatever I think it's definitely understandable no it's not so you know it's up to me to stand back and listen to what is actually true in the situation and not only from when when I'm in one but if, if something is happening to someone I know or like someone has asked me for prayer or whatever it is so I'm done
1: Well, thank you, Mary. I I thank you for your thoughts. I, I really love in the second paragraph, if you will merely sit quietly by. When I think about all the relationships I've had over decades, both professionally and personally, and I've said this before, I feel they have reflected nothing but specialness. I can't tell you the millions of times that I joined in suffering. And I think I've also said uh, previously too, that when I'm not grounded or centered or dedicated to truth, and when I don't have the little willingness to let the Holy Spirit help me, I gravitate towards specialness if someone belly aches about her husband, for example, or let me give you a quick example. And by the way, this is Gail. I'm assuming that people know my voice, but I shouldn't make that assumption. This is Gail speaking, Rev Gail speaking. Um, my sister, Lynn, who's my twin sister, has uh, three children, the oldest of whom is 46. And Stephanie, her daughter, has five kids. And I listen to my sister talk a lot about Stephanie, and she's got a 22-year-old, a 21-year-old, a 20-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a six-year-old, three of whom are boys, the youngest are boys. And Stephanie is inclined to placate because she's put herself in a position, it appears, as a mom to constantly do for the kids. And they have some financial challenges. Her husband, Derek, was unemployed for nine months this past year. And so they're kind of financially strapped, but she continues to offer him them their favorite Sundays or whatever the case may be when they were set back considerably by his being unemployed. And by the, by the way, he's an attorney, which is interesting, in his mid-40s. But anyway, I found myself listening to her, and if I'm totally honest, I found myself getting agitated because I feel as though we cover this drama pretty regularly. And that may be true for Mary in your life or you for Reb where you have people who talk about uh, seeming circumstances and appearances and so forth. And that's where I struggle the most with true empathy. I think that many of us, and I, I don't want to say especially women because that sounds terribly sexist, but I am a woman and I do talk to a lot of women in the course of my life. And I have three sisters. And so I think that there is, unless we decide for truth above all else and being grounded and truly wanting to live the truly helpful prayer and truly wanting to be taught what true empathy is, all those trulies, then uh, speaking for myself, I will stay mired in specialness. I, I want the connection with Lynn. I truly do or with anybody else with whom I have a special relationship. And I want to get to the point where my commitment to holy relationships, because I really believe that this section, Reb Deb and Mary is a precursor or prelude to chapter after chapter about specialness. This is like, okay, this is what true empathy is, which leads into specialness versus holy relationships. So for me, this section we're reading is you just have to trust me because if you want relationships that are meaningful, where you're not joining and suffering, which brings us down ultimately, makes me feel badly when I'm joining with Lynn about Steph, well, Steph has the power to choose differently. So I think that's all I have at the moment. Thank you. I'm done.
2: Well, <laughs> isn't it, I, I love that line too. And I was going to bring that up as well, that um, we don't know how to be truly helpful. We don't know how to be empathetic. We think we do by trying to fix somebody, um, by trying to rearrange or, or remodel their lives for them. Instead of, as he says, if you just merely sit quietly by, and I'm going to add and listen. Just listen to what's going on. You know, and joining with the light that they are. Not in the problem. Not in the negative emotions they have or whatever it is. We join with them where they are, holding that truth for them. That is how we become truly helpful. As he says, we let the Holy Spirit relate through us. So we're being Holy Spirit. We're being Holy Spirit for other people. And when we do this, then we're empathizing with strength. And we'll gain that strength. And isn't that what we want to do for other people is focus on the strength that they have within them that they can get over what seems to be an un, you know, insurmountable problem or situation in their lives. We're not supposed to be judging their situation or their experience either. We only have that hope for the healing and that the healing has already occurred, right? We know that from the course, but that's where we place our focus is that the healing is there. And so we see them at their highest good, right? Is what it is. We're seeing them at at their highest good. So here comes the next paragraph then. He says, your part is only to remember this. You do not want anything you value to come of a relationship. You choose neither to hurt it nor to heal it in your own way. You know, back to what I said about the fixing and remodeling projects that we sometimes make other people. You do not know what healing is. All you have learned of empathy is from the past. And there is nothing from the past that you would share, for there is nothing from the past that you would keep. Do not use empathy to make the past real and so perpetuate it. Step gently aside and let healing be done for you. Get out of the way is what he's telling us. Keep but one thought in mind and do not lose sight of it, however tempted you may be to judge any situation and to determine your response by, and by is italicized, by judging it. Focus your mind only on this. And here's our little prayer that he gives us for this section. I am not alone and I would not intrude the past upon my guest. I have invited him and he is here. I need do nothing except not to interfere. And so guest and him and he is all italicized, meaning we are speaking of the Holy Spirit right here. So we do not judge any situation and we focus on not interfering by allowing the healing to happen. Sometimes we want to push people along.
1: Why isn't that true?
2: You know, for, force, um, for, force them to heal. I'm thinking, I'm sorry. I was thinking of a, of the little story that uh, we, we shared over the retreat weekend about, the cocoon and the, and the butterfly uh, struggling to come out. And so the man decided to try and cut that cocoon open and the butterfly wasn't ready. Couldn't fly. And so that's what we're doing for other people if we're trying to make it happen for them. They're just not ready to fly yet. And so we have to step aside and let the Holy Spirit lead the way. Why should we keep entangling ourselves in something that by ourselves we can't do, right? And so we keep our eyes on heaven's help, you know, knowing that the Holy Spirit is there. And we we ask him for his help. Join with me as I'm joining with this person, Holy Spirit. What would you have me say? What would you have me do? Where would you have me go? asking those questions and then also recognizing and this is the important part recognizing what's going on within us as we're witnessing someone else's situation are we feeling disturbed is there a reason why we want it fixed is it because we're feeling uncomfortable ourselves right And so if we fixed it outside of us, we wouldn't have to deal with what was uncomfortable inside of us. But no, I want to be ready to see all things as the Holy Spirit sees them. So I can truly join with my brother. My brother's here. So that's my thoughts for now. Turn it over to you ladies.
0: This is Mary. Um, A thing that occurred to me, uh, first of all, not making the past real. That's very important. Not only by, uh, you know, if the person has been going through a situation for quite a long time, and you know that this person's been going to, don't, don't bring up what's happened in the past to that person. But also, don't say to the person, well, you know what happened to me? You know, in other words, we, I think need to remember to focus on the person that we're talking with not because we can fix the situation but because we love them and we want to give them that love and that attention so um try try not to make it something about me when i'm listening to someone else make it about them well we're all joined but you know what i'm saying in other words don't don't relate it to something that happened to me in the past and say oh you know what happened to me just listen. Just listen. There's no, there's no reason to say anything except to give encouragement and to say, you know, I'm here to support you and let me know how I can help you. And also, obviously, listening to the guidance that you're receiving. How can I help this person? What should I say to them? What, what can, what's, what's the best words? I may not have the right words, but I know you do. Anyway, that's all I have to say right now.
1: Well, I have a couple thoughts real quickly. I, I like what you said, Mary, about the past. Um, the, the line that grabbed me, and there was nothing, paragraph three in the middle, there's nothing from the past that you would share, for there is nothing from the past that you would keep. Because if we're focused on the past, we're not in the present moment. And I love, so thank you, Mary. And Rev. Deb, when you said, And I've become increasingly aware of the need to tune in to myself. And if I'm feeling, I love the point you made about if I'm feeling threatened in some way by someone constantly talking about a recurring issue or one that's taken, that's been over time, I, I would love to remember how important it is for me which you've already said, both of you, is listening. This morning, uh, when I was at my appointment, I was thinking about an article that Ken Watnick wrote that was on his website years ago. I don't know if it's still available. And it was really powerful from his, oh, Lighthouse Articles. I think he used to publish Lighthouse Articles. And it was on the, the importance of listening and uh, I'm um, I, I, I'm trying I'm trying to listen more lovingly and thoughtfully because a lot of times the answer if I'm talking to someone comes forth if I'm not intent I think the old me was so intent on mm, adding something of value. Well, who among us who's listening to this or Rev Deb or Mary or me haven't wanted the people with whom we're conversing or have the most, I'm I'm saying this in quotes, important relationships with how many times have I felt I was not heard. And when someone listens to me lovingly and kindly And I'm able to share my thoughts without perceiving any judgment whatsoever, which is true when the three of us talked before the podcast. So I can share whatever is in my heart, knowing full well that Rev. Deb and Mary are not judging me harshly. And so I can not feel as though I'm going to be fixed, not feel as though someone is going to, to Mary's point, join in suffering by sharing her or his perspective and the last thing I want to say is that as you the two of you were talking I was thinking about the forgiveness to destroy section in the song of prayer where so often we do join in suffering I think that was one of the four points that because we went through this song of prayer last year I believe or earlier this year I don't remember and it doesn't matter those are my thoughts I'm done.
2: Well, the first thing is that we, what we tend to do as humans (laughs) in the world is, oh, you poor baby, it's just so awful. And not only that, do we do that? We also want that. But is it really what we want? Uh, You know, as you said, you want to be heard, you know, we want to be heard. And And sometimes our ego can feed off of all the, oh, you poor kid, or you, oh, you poor, you know, oh, everything that you've suffered. All these horrible tragedies in your life. Hey, I've had a lot of those. I don't want to hear that. (laughs) I don't want to hear that. I've had all the tragedies and horrible things that happened to me. I don't want to hear that. I want to hear, you know, if I'm feeling down is about the strength that's there within me. And if you really think about it, that's what people really want. They wanna be recognized of what is strong within them and that you don't have to listen to the ego anymore. Right now we're doing a book study with one of Ken Wapnick's books. And I know Gail and Mary are involved in it as well. And it's through our, um, it's, it's an email book study. And it's ending our resistance to love And we make the ego such a big deal. Even as we're studying this course. And what Ken says in this book is, it's not a big deal. It's like, oh, oh, I'm thinking about blank. Oh, isn't that silly? That's just the ego. You know, those are things that we can say. And really, that's a part of uh, mindfulness in that I'm going to stay right here in the present moment. I'm not going to listen to, oh, you poor baby. Oh, that's so tragic. Oh, that's horrible. I'm going to listen in the present moment to what is true. And what is true is that I am loved by God. Oh, my gosh, that's what I want to hear. We can list out the tragedies very easily right? All the horrible things, all the horrible thoughts we have, all the horrible things people said to us, and so forth, and so forth, and so forth. But there comes a point where we have to shift. Now, we can't do that shift, you know, because this whole process of what we were doing in this series is about how to be truly helpful. Well, it's even being truly helpful to ourselves. We have to come to a point where we're ready to shift out of this. You're ready to do something different. Am I ready to see all things as Holy Spirit sees them, or do I want to continue to join in pain? So the answer that I give is what will lead me, okay, either down the path of love or the path of fear. So as I look at it as being truly helpful with someone else, is my role is to join in peace. So we let peace step forward, as I step behind, right, and we don't know, we know nothing. Is <laughs> basically what you know. He tells us in this course is we think we know, we think we have the answers to fix everybody's problems. You know, but what a, what might have worked um, for you? You know, back to Mary when you know to listen to somebody when they're sharing and not to hijack the conversation. And say, "Oh well, what I when well, this happened to me?" You know, listen. Hey, I've done it before. We all have. So now it's as we're reading this and we're talking about this and we're learning about this. It's like, okay, wait a minute. I need to be mindful in all my conversations with people. How can I truly be helpful to others? Can I just listen and not intrude? <laughs> upon the Holy Spirit and interfere with the Holy Spirit and the work that he's doing. Maybe the person needs to process it themselves. right? Maybe they just need to talk it out. And sometimes it may seem like they're talking it over and over and over again. Believe me, I, I've known people over the years who do that too. But maybe my response this time needs to be different. Maybe that's the shift. My response needs to be different. Because maybe my response has said, oh, I know how to fix it. You know, in my own mind, I'm saying, oh, I know how to fix it. If you would just do X, Y, Z, you know, maybe we say it out loud. Maybe we stop saying it out loud, but we're saying it still in our own mind. Maybe we need to just say, I'm joining you in peace. I'm joining with the strength of God that's within you. Right. So let's go back to our reading paragraph four. True empathy is of him who knows what it is. You will learn his interpretation of it if you let him use your capacity for strength and not for weakness. He will not desert you, but be sure that you desert not him. Humility is strength in this sense only that to recognize and accept the fact that you do not know is to recognize and accept the fact that he does know. You are not sure that he will do his part because you have never yet done yours completely. You cannot know how to respond to what you do not understand. Be tempted not in this and yield not to the ego's triumphant, triumphant use of empathy for its glory. I fixed somebody's problem. Paragraph five, the triumph of weakness is not what you would offer to a brother, and yet you recognize no triumph but this. This is not knowledge, and the form of empathy which would bring this about is so distorted that it would imprison what it would release. The unredeemed cannot redeem, yet they have a redeemer. Attempt to teach him not. You are the learner He is the teacher. Now, where this is capitalized, he and teacher and redeemer, so we know we're speaking of the Holy Spirit here. So do not confuse your role with his, for this will never bring peace to anyone. Offer your empathy to him, for it is his perception and his strength that you would share. And let him offer you his strength and his perception to be shared through you. So I'll pause there and see what's stirring within us on this.
0: This is Mary. Um, Two things came up as I was listening to the. First of all, um, when you're dealing with someone who repeats the same stories over and over and over and over every day, which I do. I have a friend who does this. We speak every morning and almost always she speaks about the same thing at first I would get really impatient. I would, you know, I, I may not, I may not have said anything to her, but I would get really impatient. Like I've heard this all before. You've already said this, but lately, and I'm very grateful for this lately. I've been able to stop doing that and just say to myself, okay, this is how she's feeling today. And I don't know how to respond, but you do holy spirit you know what what i should say to her that would be of most help to her and if if nothing comes out of my mouth then i know that i don't need to say anything because not always do we have to say anything sometimes just the fact that we're listening is helpful so um that's the one thing and now i've forgotten what the other thing was oh well i guess I'll, i'll think about it for a while i'm done
1: Well, Thank you for that. And my only comment really is when I think about the conversations I have with Lynn, since I mentioned her earlier, and she may feel the same way about me. If I carry on about something, who knows? I, I really have, I'm aware of the judgment I have. I am very much aware of the fact that I, I think I really want this relationship to be different. And I wish she wouldn't talk about all the drama in her family as much as she does. And I really don't say much over, over time. I find I say less and less because it seems to be the same scenario. But I, I appreciate both of you emphasizing the need just to listen and empathize through strength the other thing, and, and I love I love hearing this out loud, and thank you, Rev. Deb. I love hearing this. It just, and I'm not an auditory, but there's something about hearing it out loud as I'm reading it seems to reinforce it. It reminds me of the test of truth. This section reminds me that I don't know anything. And so if you go back to that paragraph that Mary and I referenced, which is three, where it's don't rely upon the past for anything because if we're doing that we have we're aligning with the ego who has a need to prove that we have the expertise or we have the experience and that's usually almost always if not always the case oh i just had a thought uh and i was looking at you rev deb and what was it oh shoot i forgot it too mary see what you've done to me this is your fault. Okay. I'm done. I'm kidding. Uh, It's your fault, but that's okay. I'm kidding. I'm done. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's too funny.
2: Well, the thought I had when you said, I have a thought, (laughs) maybe we had these like boom light bulbs at the same time is uh, don't look at somebody else. Like they're not whole. That's the thing. We think we have something that the other person doesn't have. And that's why we're disturbed in whatever way. I can give it to you, right? There's a lot of um, spiritual teachers out there that are like that. Like, you don't have it. You come to me. Let me be your guru. Let me be your teacher, whatever. And that's really separation. If you think a spiritual teacher or anyone has something that you don't have, you need to walk away (laughs) and go within because you have it. Just like Jesus said, um, our Madison group here, we were at the very beginning of the text. We we were in chapter one, section two. Um, And Jesus says, and he says it many times, is that you can have everything I have. You're no different than me. And when we start to believe in differences, that's the separation. So when we're sitting with someone else who's going on and on about their story and we're feeling um, uncomfortable and irritated and that sort of thing, we are having a superior feeling. You know, oh, well, you know, they're all screwed up, but I'm so much better than them. If they would just do what i told them to do i told them like five times ago why didn't they do it and we're we're not being present we're rattling off all kinds of stuff in our own head you know even the fact like oh my god they're calling again i know what they're calling about right there we have already let the judgment in we've already allowed the separation in and we ha- we're not seeing them for who they really are Now we do it. We do it. I, you know, I I can still do it. Yeah. And the thing is, is okay, doing something like today where we're talking about it and sharing about it makes me more aware of it. So the next time, if I'm not saying it happens all the time. I'm saying it can happen. Right. But now I could be more cognizant of that. You know, be more in tune with it. Yeah, because I want to see everyone as my equals. There's nothing wrong with any of us. We just believe that the ego says there is. That's all it is. So I'll check back to see if either of you remember what you were going to share.
0: no i don't remember what i said before but i i just want to thank you for pointing out the fact that the, pe- the person we're speaking with is just as whole as we are as i am my friend who who says the same thing over and over and over and over is just the same as i am and she yeah. is just as whole and she does not lack anything so that's thank you for pointing that out i'm done
1: y- yes mary that was really powerful that that really got my attention when you said superior boy that's something i really need to work on it's very unconscious huh um i do remember what i was going to say and that is do you guys find do you ladies find that when you're present with someone Uh, I can use Bill as an example, my husband, and I'm just present and I listen. A lot of times he'll come up with a solution that feels right to him because the Holy Spirit with you, Rev. Deb, or you, Mary, or with me, when I remember to do that, and it goes back to what you said, Rev. Deb, I think when you said you're, you're really joining with the Christ in them the innocence, the wholeness. And I think in the song of prayer, it says that when you join with Christ, with the Christ in the other person who's struggling, then the answer will come to one of you or both of you, whatever answer is the most loving or in the, for the highest good of, of everyone concerned. I The last thing, Deb, Rev. Deb, is that I agree with you. As we talk about it, this is why these groups are so powerful or podcasts. It helps to solidify the need to be more aware, to be more vigilant about what my role is in any conversation I have on the phone, um, on Zoom, or in person. I'm done. Very powerful. Thank you.
0: Yeah, the, the thing that came up as you were speaking, Gail, was the lesson that says, let me recognize the problem has been solved. So when when I'm speaking with someone or listening to someone, excuse me, and just listening, uh, and they come up with a solution, it's because the problem already was solved, well, eons ago when we first thought we separated from God. But in the present reality or illusion or whatever this is, um the problem has to be solved again because that's how we think of it. But yeah, so that's what came up for me and I'm done.
2: No, that was great, Mary. Yep. Problem has already been solved. We're just there to birth it through.
1: Excellent. (laughs) Thank you, Mary.
2: Like you were saying, it's like, you know, if we can be totally present and be mindful, well then, yeah, they're going to come up with the answer because the answer is already there. answer's already there. So let's look at these last two paragraphs. So paragraph six, the meaning of love is lost in any relationship that looks to weakness and hopes to find love there. The power of love, which is its meaning, lies in the strength of God that hovers over it and blesses it silently by enveloping it in healing wings. Let this be And do not try to substitute your miracle, quote, miracle, unquote, for this. I have said that if a brother asks a foolish thing of you to do it, but be certain that this does not mean to do a foolish thing that would hurt either him or you. For what would hurt one will hurt the other. Foolish requests are foolish merely because they conflict, since they always contain some element of specialness. Only the Holy Spirit recognizes foolish needs as well as real ones. Oh, foolish needs as well as real ones. And He will teach you how to meet both without losing either. You will attempt to do this only in secrecy. And you will think that by meeting the needs of one, you do not jeopardize another because you keep them separate and secret from each other. That is not the way for it leads not to life and truth. No needs will long be left unmet if you leave them all to him whose function is to meet them. That is his function and not yours. He will not meet them secretly, for he would share everything you give through him. That is why he gives it. What you give through him is for the whole sonship and not for part of it. Leave him his function For he will fulfill it if you but ask him to enter your relationships and bless them for you. And that brings us to the end of the section. So any other thoughts that either of you had?
0: Yes, there was one thing that occurred to me. um, When he he talks about referring to the thing when he says if a brother asks you to do something, you know, no matter how foolish it is, but, but then he goes on in this section and says unless we'll hurt either of you. <laughs> so, you know, I think some people kind of get stuck stuck on the first part of that. So, um, you know, go drive a car off a cliff, yeah, sure. <laughs> anyway, but yes, and then allow the holy spirit to work in the situation and in the relationship. That's that's very important and it's something I'm I'm learning to do, and it's really when I am able to do it, when I'm able to just allow him to work through me, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful experience. It truly is. It's very peaceful. I'm done.
1: Thank you, Mary, for that. I, I, I think as I'm sitting here thinking about the sixth paragraph and then the seventh about secrecy and all that. If I understand this correctly, what Jesus is saying is whenever we try to meet hmm, whenever we try to meet needs that might be perceived as foolish, we really don't know what foolish is or not. So if we're following the Holy Spirit he will help us discern between the foolish ones that are possibly potentially hurtful, as well as the real ones, which sounds confusing to me, if I'm honest, as you were reading that Rev Deb, because I've read this before, obviously. But then, where he talks about the secrecy part, it would seem to me that if I have a whole repertoire of special relationships. And I'm trying to meet this person's need and that person's need based on the past, that that's the reference to secrecy because I'm thinking, well, if I handle this, not consciously necessarily, this relationship one way and this relationship another way, I'm not jeopardizing either relationship because they're basically in secret. I mean, they're in secret to me means specialness. Now, I could be totally wrong, because those two paragraphs have confused me in the past. And so what I feel he's doing is, if this confuses you, good, because the bottom line is, follow the Holy Spirit, period. I'm done.
2: And that's it. (laughs) Follow the Holy Spirit. That's a lot of what the readings are, is like, get yourself out of the way and just follow the Holy Spirit, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Really. It really is. You know, we, we think we know the answers to everything. We think we know everything and we know nothing. Right. Socrates said it. We know nothing. I actually posted it for my uh, other site today, the meditation stepping stones, Jesus says it in the course. It's said all the time, you know, the, the, the more you learn, the less, you know, uh, it's said in so many different cultures and philosophies and that, that we know nothing. So why don't we just admit it? <laughs> that I don't have all the answers. And so, because that's being foolish. If I think I do and just allow the answer to come through me just by holding that space for that person. You know when we're when we're meeting with someone or talking with them on the phone or whatever it is is how about we just hold that, that truth that that answer is going to appear from for them. And that's it. Nothing else. Being present with the love of God, the peace of God, And that the answer will come. It might not come in this conversation, but it may come later in that.
1: I know we're about to close, but thank you for that. That is really powerful. Very meaningful. And you could write a whole post on that. Just so close. (laughs) No, no. And I'm I'm being very sincere. Mary, having referenced, I think, less than 79 or 80, um, if I really truly know that the problem has been solved and I trust that that's the fact, then my relationships will be more meaningful. I really, my last comment, other than thanking you profusely for being a part of this, is how often have I been, and perhaps, Mary, this is true for you because you used your example and I use mine, have I been emotionally drained after a conversation that speaks to the same thing over and over. It happened with my mom too long before she died. same I always felt they were tapes, and so if I remember I, I want to heal my own mind and then I can use this as an opportunity to forgive and to heal and I'm done and thank you so much.
0: Gail, I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, thank you, Rev Deb. This has been, you know, whenever we get together and talk like this, I always come away feeling refreshed rather than dragged or drained or whatever it was you said, Gail. And so I know that we're actually listening to Holy Spirit's guidance. I'm done. I I
2: totally agree. And that emotionally draining feeling that we have, and I had that not too long ago myself uh, in dealing with someone, is the judgment that comes up. That's what it is. Remember, we're weary, as Jesus has told us in the text. We're weary because of the judgment, and that's it. So if we're emotionally drained or whatever it may be, spent, however you want to term it, it's because we've judged. So now we give that judgment over to the Holy Spirit. So let's go back to, as we close today, to step gently aside and let healing be done for you, for the other person. So keep this one thought in mind and do not lose sight of it. However tempted you may be to judge any situation and to determine your response by judging it. So this is what we focus on. And as I read this, just maybe even close your eyes and feel this within your own heart. I am not alone. And I would not intrude the past upon my guest. I have invited him, and he is here. I need do nothing except not to interfere, and that's what brings us true empathy. So I thank you both for joining uh, with me uh, for this podcast this uh, this time. Uh, next week, we'll be taking a look at uh, the second line in the truly helpful prayer, which is, I am here to represent him who sent me. And as always, please know that you can go to our website at miraclesone.org for all the free resources that we offer. We're an all-volunteer ministry, so everything that we provide for you is done freely. And uh, we have video library of, I can't tell you how many videos, (laughs) it actually blows my mind. Uh, Same thing with podcasts, hundreds and hundreds and articles and uh, everything on each section of the text and the workbook and the uh, manual for teachers and supplements and so forth and classes and study groups and all sorts of things that we do offer to support you in this journey. This is a journey. This is a process. And to know that you have mighty companions with you all the time who see you at your highest good. So teach me, dear Holy Spirit, how to truly join with you and my brothers here. So thanks again for joining with us today. And as always, we wish you peace. Namaste. People don't become successful by accident. You've got to know what you want. So take off your shoes. Sit down. Reach no further than your tablet. Type in Skoda, and you've won. Smile about doing less while some other guy is doing loads. Yawn like you've never yawned before. Smile again about the offers from 0%. Then configure your perfect car and fill out the easy online finance application. It's never been easier to be successful. Finance provided by way of higher purchase agreement from Volkswagen Financial Services Ireland and subject to lending criteria. Terms and conditions apply. Visit scoda.ie for further information. <laughs>
0: It's not all about Kim. What does that mean? Sorry, Kim. Over 300 reality TV
2: shows are now on Hey You. With complete seasons of your faves, including Below Deck
0: and The Real Housewives. Thank you. Stream loads of episodes same day as the U.S. I'm just saying. Head to heyyou.com to start your free trial. With
2: lucky
1: landslots,
2: you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here
1: today to... Has anyone seen The Bride and Groom?